Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 306 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. We are talking pregnancy updates and kind of specifically Becky's pregnancy updates and doing a whole new pregnancy Q&A style formatted episode. So we put out a question box a couple weeks back. We received great questions, some of them personal on, you know, how Becky's second pregnancy is different than the first round, things that she's done for nausea. We're going to be covering different supplementation per trimester, some herbal tips and tools, and even if we would recommend placental encapsulation. So a lot of content in this episode, and we'll be doing a little bit of a Freaky Friday, if you can tell, this is Allie talking, yes. and I will be the co-host interviewing Becky, since she is the, the very pregnant one sitting here, and she's going to have all the fun stuff to share. Very pregnant sounds accurate. I'm like, okay, I think I'm going into 30 weeks, actually, as we record this, and by yes. the time it airs, even <laughs> more pregnant. Yes. Um, yep. Yep. Baby won't be here quite yet, because this drops in late August, but due date is September 23rd and it's been full steam ahead this time where it's like you don't have time to sit and like watch your belly move or (laughs) read you know the what to expect app or whatever about what fruit your baby is because I have a toddler at home yes yes (laughs) yes and we always joke too that she decided twice well God decided but that her body is carrying a child through the Texas heat both times having September babies so it's like the exact same time your resilience and all due dates two days apart which is just freaky yes (laughs) however this baby is not a pandemic baby so there's all that We'll, yep. <laughs> we'll unpack all the fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, before we get to it, let's talk updates and sponsors. So today's episode is sponsored by Fond Bone Broth. We are huge proponents, as you guys know, about bone broth for the benefits of gut health, as well as providing superstar amino acids for immune support and mood stability. So getting that cysteine to make NAC, which is an expectorant, as well as getting glycine, which helps with GABA production in our brain. And bone broth is really like a facelift for the gut. It provides the amino acids that fuel and support gut cell repair, so it can reduce inflammation, food sensitivity, and provide a really clean electrolyte boosted source of protein to consider if you've fallen off during the summer and you're trying to kind of harness things back in considering doing our bone broth fast which is still our most popular youtube video Uh, definitely go on over and subscribe to the naturally nourished youtube channel and check out we have various we have a three-day bone broth fast we have why you would bone broth fast Um, I think troubleshooting your bone broth fast and all of the videos of course feature fond bone broth which is our favorite bone broth on the market they provide slow simmered and lovingly tended broths from simmer to seal from their stainless steel pots that they use and their mineral rich well water that's tested daily for excellence all the way to the ingredients that they put into that water uh, from organic farmers that they partner with to the uh, grass-fed beef as well as the cage-free free-roaming chickens and pasture-raised birds that they're using in their broth And not only is it integrity as far as product and sourcing and the production, but the synergy of ingredients further enhance the food as medicine in each jar. So they really make sure that they're applying this functional approach, pairing things like black pepper with turmeric and beets and poblano peppers, which really serve as a sous chef in a jar in your kitchen, a great way to deglaze your pan if you're sauteing veggies or protein also creating a base for sauces and truly the only broth that I actually enjoy sipping straight out of a mug. And because it is shelf stable, I can even just open it as we're getting through summer and sip it out of it at room temp and it's pretty delightful until I put it in the fridge and it gets gelatinous, which is another telltale sign of quality because yes. you know, there's the good stuff. You want it to jiggle when it's cold. Um, so go on over to fundbonebroth.com slash AllieMillerRD. Uh, be sure to use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout. That will provide you savings on your purchase 
and let them know that you learned about them through the Naturally Nourished podcast. And then we'll also link right below that in today's uh, podcast notes how to do the bone broth fast and some of the resource mentioned there. Yes. And actually, that is definitely one of my essential items, bone broth on any like postpartum checklist. I've been sending that as um, a postpartum gift. Like when I send a baby gift for baby, I also send a case of bone broth to mama um, for friends who've been having babies lately. So I need to add that to my registry somehow. Yes, beautiful. They're such beautiful four packs and they're artisan jars. You want to save them and reuse them because they're so beautiful. And I think that's a really fantastic gift for a friend and so nourishing. And when busy and breastfeeding and only having one hand, again, being able to actually just sip it out of the jar actually from the hospital onward. Totally. And and that would be something if I was having a hospital birth, I would have that like on my checklist of of things to bring. Yes. Yes. I had my tub of gelatin too, which was delightful. All right, Becky, let's get into things. So our first question that came in was, what are the current supplement recommendations for each trimester? So maybe let's start with the foundation yes, (laughs) and then what we're layering on or adjusting. Totally. And so foundational, especially for me, first trimester, and I'll get into morning sickness in a moment, but it was more rough this time. And so it was like, I need my essential you know, three supplements that I know I take every day and then five if I'm having a better day and then, you know, my laundry list that I normally take and and would recommend on a really good day. Um, And I didn't have a lot of really good days for the first 12 weeks or so. Um, And so Multi-Avail Mama has been, you know, a foundational staple. I've been taking that since we added to the line, took that all through, you know, preconception, um, conception and Noah's um, growth in my belly. (laughs) that time. Um, And then, um, you know, postpartum, I never stopped taking that. So that one foundationally for a day. um, And that was like my staple. If I could only get one supplement in, even I took that daily. Um, EPA, DHA extra, um, especially that DHA for baby's growth and baby's brain growth and, and development. We cover a lot about that on our recent episode, um, why you should get more fish in the diet and talking about our new liquid formulation even. Um, definitely could not do the liquid during first trimester. But now that you're in your third to get that higher DHA, yeah. adding in beyond the capsules, a couple teaspoons of the liquid for sure. Yes, I can handle it if it has like a little piece of chocolate as a chaser or something to look forward to. It's just mental. There's no bad taste. It's just mental. In our, it's totally mental. Our liquid EPA yeah. DHA is absolutely fabulous. I've given it to so many people that have an aversion to a fish oil taste and there's no fishy odor, no fishy taste. In fact, there are some people that prefer it because you don't get that belch that you may get from a capsule, which I think with our capsules having that lemon and lime in there, it's um, really offsets any unfavorable type belch odor because it's just kind of like, okay, well freshness. Uh, but I don't even get any dyspepsia. So I think that it would actually be easier. First trimester, again, mental, yep. you were, <laughs> you were vomiting all the time, let's be honest. But, but second and third, that's absolutely what we'd want to layer on. Yes. And I've been giving it to Noah. And so just modeling that behavior for him too. I'm like, okay, you take yours, mama takes hers mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, and so getting my DHA there. And then, um, in our, uh, mama to be bundle, we have the Restore Baseline Probiotic. And so those would be the three kind of top tier that I would recommend to anyone who's, you know, thinking about pregnancy, currently pregnant as a absolute kind of bare minimum starting point, really good gift to someone who just found out they're pregnant um, and wants to get on some really foundational supplements. For myself, because I was already taking the Rebuild Spectrum and the Targeted Strength, I've just stayed on those continuously and those I've been able to take every night. Um, nausea was not bad at night, so still able to take those the entire time through um, where I am now. Um, women's Flora, I added on just a couple of weeks ago, so kind of starting third trimester um, when I'm starting to think more about you know baby passing through the vaginal canal um, and also and that inoculation of probiotics, but also about prevention of group B strep which I kind of obsessed about (laughs) in my last pregnancy. This time I haven't had time to obsess about anything. Um, And so just as kind of a preventative um, with those particular strains, you know, that we've talked about on our UTI prevention episode um, that prevent UTI and other, you know, vaginal infections. Um, So I started that third trimester. There's tons of studies out there when the 
vaginal flora is in a dysbiotic state that that can create early onset of labor yes so i think that's a really good strategy across the board regardless of strep uh strep b and um also in the summer having a summer baby i think anytime regardless of trimester if you're exposing your area in lakes and rivers and areas that could have pathogen yeah that that would also be a risk factor to threaten baby's health so that would be good good logic there and i'll probably start insertion of that i've done it a few times here and there spotty with with just you know swimming in bodies of water like you said pools just because of the chlorination i'm like let's add some Mm -hmm. some good guys back in um but i'll probably start like a twice a week um insertion of that at like 34 weeks just prior to that group B strep test, which I believe they do at 36 or 37. Okay. And then I know you didn't leave out relax and regulate, which is your desert (laughs) island supplement to the max. It's my (laughs) desert island supplement. Um, this pregnancy, I experienced more constipation earlier on, like before there's like a baby pressing on everything. And you think like, Oh, there's a reason for this kind of getting compressed. Um, and so I really, you know, upped that, um, from first trimester on. And, and I also do think that, you know, regulating electrolytes is part of that morning sickness prevention and can be helpful there. Um, also helpful with deep and restful sleep and mm-hmm. you need that when you have a toddler. Um, so like two to three scoops of, of relax and regulate up to four some days now, if there is constipation, um, or, um, if I'm having more like Charlie horses, which have been also a thing this time around, um, just, you know, got to watch my hydration status and electrolyte status, especially when it's 109 degrees in yeah. Austin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then B complex. Um, I think I was doing that first trimester actually, because we've seen, um, mm-hmm. B six in higher doses. So like looking at, uh, 50 milligrams of B six in some of the, um, the pharmaceuticals out there that are given for, um, for morning sickness and severe morning sickness. So like the one that combines B6 and Unisom, I'm forgetting the name off the top of my head. Um, but I tried to replicate that, you know, without the Unisom impact. Yeah, you could even consider the adrenal support for mm-hmm. that reason uh, oh, or yeah, cellular yeah. antiox, yep. which have really rich B6 dosages as well. Yep, and I was taking cell antiox um, throughout this whole time as well. So two of those per day. Um, and the adrenal support kind of here and there first trimester, just because it's an uncoated tablet. And if you don't swallow it right away, you might taste it a tiny bit. Um, but that's been a big factor now, you know, just in terms of combating fatigue and dealing with, you know, Noah's sleep jags and whatnot, um, Mm -hmm. definitely needed probably more adrenal support this time (laughs) around. (laughs) Like growing a human while raising a human is a big Thing. Well, your adrenals yeah. are more jacked up too during 2020. That yeah. So you probably wouldn't want adrenal support. That in your is system. true. That's true. <laughs> um, and um, with that said, adaptogen boost too. Um, I have used pretty frequently. Um, again, probably scaled back first trimester just for less like volume of pills to be taking. Um, but I feel really confident that's something I've taken you know ongoing since forever, um, since you know its inception in in our line for sure. Um, and probably two of those a day, daily, second trimester on. And that's one though you didn't take with Noah, right? Is that a distinct change? I don't know that I took it as frequent. Okay. Okay. Probably just didn't yeah. need it. Well, as just much. because of the un- un- untested and now you just yeah. have more right, right, right. innate confidence yeah. and right. Because I thought that was a variable. I remember yeah. you stopping it at least when you found I out did, you're pregnant I stopped with Noah. first trimester with Noah just because, um, I can't remember which compound it is. Um, that just didn't have like the safety checkbox, basically. It, it, um, I don't know if it was the rhodiola. might have been rhodiola. I think it's the rhodiola and the cordyceps mm-hmm. okay. haven't been tested. But not that they have any negative outcomes. And again, right. I figure if I was taking it going in, I'm going to be just fine. Um, same thing with, with CBD. Um, that's kind of my thought process on, on that. And I did take that pretty frequently with Noah um, and still taking it as needed for stress support um here and there right now um let's see what else vitamin d i've stayed on that you know groovy and it's such a a small pill that no issues first trimester um and i tested my vitamin d at the very beginning when i first went in for lab work and it was 56 so you know i like that 60 plus i'm Mm -hmm. like probably doing a little bit better now that it's summer and i'm getting more sun exposure 
Um, but especially with, you know, growing a human and preparing to breastfeed and developing actual bone structure within my body for another person, um, super, super important. Um, BioC Plus, I've stayed on that at two a day. Um, and that was one that my midwife was like right away when I told her my birth story um, and how I had kind of premature rupture of membranes or, or water leaking or breaking, you know, before that like 40 week timestamp. Um, she mentioned right away and I was like, oh, because of its role in collagen, collagen synthesis, synthesis. Yeah. that makes sense. Let me be a little bit more diligent about taking my bio C. So I'll probably up that even at this juncture to like two to three a day, more like. Um, and those two, just to note, uh, I'm not sure if we're getting into the drama of your first trimester because you had Omicron as well <laughs> as potentially norovirus. Twice. We know that there was norovirus <laughs> going around yeah. really hard. Um, like really intensive gut bugs yes. and, and gut actual yeah. infections uh, as well as viral infections and in, but all in the first trimester yep. while you were dealing with nausea. And not just nausea, but regular vomiting. Yeah, that was um, really fun. And so uh, <laughs> I would say those probably uniquely because of the immune impact of this first trimester, very different than also first pregnancy, yes. right? I yep. don't think there were any really serious infections at all. Not at all. No, no. And no at times. Yeah. You I, got COVID the first time ever when you were breastfeeding, I believe. When I was breastfeeding. Yeah. It was so like the whole January. pregnancy was yep. super solid. Yep. And that I think was different during this time because I remember we were all like, okay, like what can we safely take? And the women that, that were on our retreat will remember even then, you right. know, like laryngitis. I had laryngitis. So I think was... all the way up until like 18 weeks or 16 weeks, you had something thrown at you yep. as an immune challenge. Yep. And I think part of that is like having a toddler who brings stuff home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, just he's not even in school yet, but just with his friends and, and you know. I want him to get all of that exposure. It's great. Um, but I didn't really think through my strategy of like, oh, I'm immunocompromised. Like if there's a gut bug going around, I probably shouldn't go to this party at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas I wouldn't normally, you know, blink an eye, but mm-hmm. all good. Happily recovered. From- it was just the whole friend group was like, oh no, not again. One just after another, again. after another. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you can, you can pulse those up just to my point. Yes. Safely. Yes. I, I get questions all the time pregnancy during illness yes. and so I think that's worth noting and I don't know if that was a question but we should at least address yeah. those that you did up which would be the vitamin d balance blend and you felt safe doing a five-time dosage just like we would at any time yep. during an immune threat yep the um, bio c because it was still first trimester um I believe high dose vitamin c is um can you know cause premature labor um and so I didn't go super high on that I think I went like four a day sure of that guy. So that's like um, 2.4 grams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two to three grams. Yeah, and no issues. Um, and then um, I was really diligent with my probiotics and doubled down on those, especially with yes. the, the gut pathogens, yes. um, especially that rebuild spectrum. I probably took that like three times a day mm-hmm. when that was going around. Um, and I did use berberine at that time stamp too, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know that I used at all with Noah maybe here and there um, pulsed in, but again, felt more, I feel like I have more swag this time around. Um, and so I took that right away, um, at least the second time that I got hit by a gut bug and I was like, oh, I know what this is. I know what's coming. And yes. um, it knocked it out pretty, pretty quickly. It was like less than 12 hours of intensity. And I took berberine during yeah. my pregnancy with Stella as advised and approved by my midwife yeah. because it was, again, you're weighing off antibiotic or exactly. natural antibacterial. Exactly. And one has known side effects and one has unknown side effects. Yep. Potential side effects. Yep. Uh, so, right, I always go with the one that I understand the mechanism of action. Yes. Yep. And I think the first time, no, both times that I got the, the stomach bug, whatever it was, norovirus, we were out of town. So we were with you guys in mm-hmm. Fredericksburg. Um, the first time, and I did have GI lining because one of you or Chelsea brought it with you. I had it. Um, I, all, I had yep. the bug as yeah. well prior. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I used a couple scoops of that just to deal with like the rawness and, mm-hmm. you know, yuck factor kind of post vomiting <laughs> purge. Yep. Um, but then the second time around, I didn't have it with me and we were in like this small town. I couldn't get coconut water. 
I couldn't get bone broth. It was pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm never traveling without it, even if it's not like part of my regular GI lining support routine. Yeah. hundred yeah, yeah. percent. Yeah. And, and sometimes just random heartburn exactly. attacks. Yep. Like it's the only thing yep. that's going to resolve. Yep. And we have a question about heartburn. So that's great. That's my answer. Okay. Great. <laughs> um, and then let's see what else for daily osteofactors. Um, I tested deficient in calcium when I did a micronutrient panel around, um, 13 months postpartum. Um, so that was one, you know, I figured because of breastfeeding, that's why I'm deficient in calcium. I was having some pretty severe joint pain at that time. So I've stayed on that, um, probably one a day during first trimester, just cause that was all I could handle now taking two a day and including a calcium rich food in my diet daily, um, digest aid because I've had some <laughs> digestive drama clearly. Um, and also, um, a little bit of gallbladder drama, which I'll get into in a moment here too. Um, and then choline, um, added on, um, 450 milligrams of choline, probably second trimester. Um, there is choline in our multi-avail mama. There is choline in our, uh, B complex. Mm-hmm. But when I took it down from taking two of those a day back to just one, um, I wanted some extra choline. And that was also one that I was deficient in on the micronutrient panel. So super important for, um, neural tube development, baby's brain development, not getting mama brain, which, you know, I think is unavoidable, All the uh, unavoidable, but. And a, a good prescription to <laughs> yes. eat bacon and liver, continue to try to things. work in the liver. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think that's my supplement supplement strategy and I'll link all of those in the show notes so you can have like a comprehensive list yes. of, of all of the things that I'm taking. Awesome. Um, and then uh, the other thing that I've worked in, not necessarily a supplement, but um, are more herbal infusions, I guess. Food is medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did red raspberry leaf, you know, as prescribed, um, last pregnancy and, and that's more for later pregnancy. So third trimester on really works to help to tonify the uterus, make contractions, um, more strong, I guess, or, mm-hmm. or, um, more, uh, fruitful if you will. Um, and something I used, especially like in early labor, a, a really strong formulation of that. Um, but this time I added on stinging nettle infusions and it just so happened we were taught how to make them. Um, like my midwife had just mentioned it and was like, okay, see if you can work stinging nettle in. here's a link for a tea bag or something. And I was like, eh, okay, yeah. I'll see what I can do. Um, but then like two weeks after that, we went on our, um, women's wellness retreat and we had a wonderful herbalist actually show us the process of making an herbal infusion, um, with you know, her scale. We're going to have Tammy on the podcast. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so, um, I started doing that kind of after, um, after that weekend as a regular incorporation and, and kind of a daily iced nettle (laughs) infusion supplement. Um, and some of the, the proposed benefits there, um, we can see nettle actually supporting blood sugar balance and regulation, um, support for cardiovascular health, allergies for sure, seasonal allergies and, um, both times while pregnant, I noticed like more kind of waking up with a stuffy nose and, and just a little bit more, um, susceptibility to allergies. Um, also super high in chlorophyll. So when you infuse nettles in water, it turns to this like dark greenish black pigment. So you're getting a ton of chlorophyll antioxidants, um, really gentle support for detox. Cause we don't want to, you know, upregulate detox too much during pregnancy. Um, and then it's also a really good source of trace minerals. So things like our iron, chromium, magnesium. Um, so I've, you know, had good energy, I think through this entire pregnancy and, and I attribute, you know, nettles to be part of that at least. Yeah. Um, and then, um, my midwife says it really helps with prevention of preeclampsia as well, which I'm not at risk for, but I was having more, um, increased blood pressures during my pregnancy with Noah, although I think it was due to having to wear a mask in the midwife's office. And I go into that, I'm sure in, in either the first or trimester, uh, second trimester episode that we'll link in today's show notes. Awesome. Okay. And yes, nettle tea, uh, Tammy did it blended with oat pod, uh, which is a vena sativa. And that was the way I always drank it in Seattle when I lived out there. So it's kind of like a whole 
Coming back to, to memory, I have not done herbal infusions in a really long time, but you're making me feel like I need to get back on it. It's so. like super easy. Yeah, yeah, and just the ritual. I think yep. I still have such aversions in my rental home. I feel like I envision it when I move into yeah. my yeah. home home that I'll have my little We could know, do it section. on YouTube. That'd be fun. We got it. <laughs> For you guys. Um, Content yeah, coming up. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We'll teach you all how to make them soon. Yep. All right. So next question up there. Uh, differences between pregnancy. So we touched on the illnesses yes. as one um the busyness let's kind of unpack a little bit further and any yes. other big ahas so i'd say the morning sickness as i mentioned was more severe like hit earlier um and also like left sooner but it was more intense um more all day versus actually in the morning i felt fine <laughs> um but more all day sickness like multiple episodes of vomiting you know in a week um timestamp not um, as severe as, as some women will have it where it's daily or, or they're seeing, you know, severe weight loss or dehydration, but pretty bad. Um, and I have heard that girls can be worse than boys in terms of morning sickness, although I still don't know what you did to have none. Um, <laughs> I didn't have any. Um, I was like, do do do. Yep. And my, my Sorry. girlfriend Morgan, who's having a baby like any moment now, um, had none either. And she's like, it's because I drink apple cider vinegar every morning. And I was like, well, I know that tip, but I You're don't like, want to start that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and someone also did ask for tips for severe um, morning sickness. And so to that, I would say, and like how I dealt with it, um, there was a lot of protein aversion too. Like it was really rough and, and worse than Noah in that sense too. Um, I did a lot more like grass-fed whey smoothies just with berries versus trying to even mess with like greens or bitter profiles. Um, or if I was doing greens, I would add like a big old hunk of ginger and that did seem to help, mm-hmm. you know, some. Um, I did... A lot of eggs um, as my protein for some reason. Soft boiled eggs were the only way I could <laughs> tolerate it. I don't know why. Um, but, you know, getting to like that seven minute mark on a, a boil um, and adding like a lot of coarse salt. Um, and I would have that with a piece of gluten free toast that our friend Jody would pick up and mule to me um, every week. Um, so, this local gluten free sourdough bread. Uh, that was my savior, I think. <laughs> they use an oat flour yep, yep. starter. It's pretty fabulous. Yep. Um, so I do that and like mashed avocado on top um, and the eggs on the side. And that would be like a daily, you know, meal staple. Um, and we actually call the baby toast because <laughs> I ate <laughs> so much toast. Um, well, I remember yep. the one day we were podcasting and you threw up because Brady was making bacon and I was like I know, oh no that was the this is the saddest I was like bacon always smells good this the first is not time good. I smelled it cooked I was like what died in here I need to go outside and it was during the time too that our friend um Kaz was bringing who we just had on uh, Anthony and Kaz of, of the Salu Maria um they were bringing like all of their test bacon that they're yep. you know cutting it different ways and seasoning it. And I really wanted to try it, but I just, I was like, I, someone take mine. I finally got to try it like a couple months ago and it's delicious. It is delicious. <laughs> yes. But yeah, bacon aversion is just sad. Um, I mentioned the, the B6, mm-hmm. um, so times two of the B complex. Um, and I always found I had to take that with food. Whereas when I'm not pregnant, you know, I can take it any time of day. Um, acupuncture I brought that in um a little earlier so last pregnancy I only used it for induction so a lot earlier than yeah <laughs> um, than last time but um Cass who actually helped to induce me um I went and saw her pretty early on um and have been going to her more regular just to manage other stuff that's come up um so the acupuncture really helped and that would provide like a good week of almost complete relief so there's something to it for sure. Um, and then um, I wore the the motion sickness bands. I dug them out of our like old travel stuff from when Byron used to have me on a boat or, you know, sitting in the back of a bus in <laughs> Colombia or like, yeah. you know, doing all of this, this crazy travel around windy roads. Um, and I'm, I'm prone to a little bit of motion sickness. Um, but the, the C bands, I wore those for a couple weeks concentrated think they helped a little bit 
um, and then doing like warm lemon water with um, ginger. That was like my first morning beverage. I couldn't do coffee for quite some time um, or that with green tea, depending on how the, the day was going. And then time. Yeah. So, yeah. It ended more abruptly, like more quickly than it did with Noah. So I'm at least thankful for that Hard where it was heavy. like, you know, five to 10 weeks was really severe. And then I was like, whoa, that's gone. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I remember like counting like, what week are you on? We can do this. Yeah. We can get through it. <laughs> yep. And and the women's wellness retreat fell at like what week 12 or, or right. something. And so we're like, we're, we're going to be fine by then. But then fine. I had the laryngitis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's no also voice. why it ended early because you got distracted with other things. Other, other illness processes. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's talk about your different approach to prenatal care, um, and how that was a little bit different. And then let's talk about the gallbladder stuff. Um, so this time around, um, I knew right away I wouldn't be going back to the birthing center that I used for Noah because simply because they closed it down. Um, so that practice was kind of what was trying to be a hybrid model, um, where, you know, they had OBGYNs and they had midwives and you kind of went in one of two tracks, depending on if you were going birthing center or if you were planning to give birth at the hospital. Um, and for the first baby, I think that made the most sense in my head because it was quote unquote safe. Like it was directly across the street from St. David's, which is the place you want to be if your baby had to go to the NICU. Um, and that was kind of what I could get Byron on board with for you know, first, first birth. And it was a fine experience all in all, I would say, you know, it was much more medicalized in the sense that you didn't know who was going to be there in labor. Um, so you would rotate through the different midwives that they used. And and I think I only transferred care as probably 20 plus weeks. Um, so I actually didn't even get to meet everyone because I moved to Austin at that time and transferred from a very conventional model to this kind of middle of the road ish. Um, and, um, you know, the woman who was there when I gave birth, the midwife that was there, I had never met her before that night. Um, so that was a little bit, you know, as intimate, it's not as intimate. And, and so this time I interviewed three midwives, um, and one of my big, um, big, you know, non-negotiables was like, I'm never wearing a mask in your office mm-hmm. during delivery and I'm not talking about fear or the vaccine or bringing any of that in. I just didn't want someone who was coming from that approach of yeah. things. Um, and so when one midwife would only meet me outside or on Zoom, that was like a pretty quick yeah. no. Um, and then um, I had an interview with another midwife who was a birthing center um, up in Georgetown. And I just feel like because second babies come so quickly, like that would add stress to have to go somewhere versus being at home. So Mm -hmm. to answer the question that's coming, I'm planning a home birth. Um, but, um, started that midwife care at like 14 weeks. And when you say interview, are you like paying them for an intro session? How, cause Byron's so organized. I just think of myself, I'm like, Hmm. Like how, what kind of process was that like? Is it a, is it a quick phone call with their admin? Yeah, did you directly yeah. set up an appointment to meet with them or how did that go? Yeah. So two of the three, I was like, I need at least three, right. To like, um, feel this. And, and I asked, you know, the ladies we dance with for recommendations and, and got some kind of personal recommendations too from my chiropractor of just people who would be kind of already in the same headspace as me. Um, and so Two of them were in person, but it was a a free kind of info session where they spent. And they came out to your house? I I went to them. Okay. um, To their offices, but they spent like 45 minutes to an hour um, and and on a busy midwife schedule. Like that's a lot of time. Um, And so that was just refreshing, right? Um, Yeah. And and I think that's good advice to feel the right to advocate for that. Right. I feel like I would feel nervous. I'd be like, okay, I'll just schedule one. And then I'll get a first appointment with all three and then I'll decide. Right. And then meanwhile, it would be out like $600 or they want you to sign up right away. Yes. Yep. Yep. And then, like I said, the other one was a Zoom meeting that just didn't feel right off the bat. And um, then I like stalked her Instagram and she had a mask on at every birth. And I was like, that's just not my person. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just... It's not, you know, it's fine for what she's doing, but it's just not my person. Um, and I really went based more so on 
the experience of the midwife. So I wanted someone who had attended, you know, hundreds of births and seen all this stuff. And there's plenty of checklists of like questions to ask your midwife. Um, And so I went through all of that, but it was more just based on, on intuition and, and like feeling. Um, And so one of the midwives that we didn't choose, I felt that she was kind of condescending to Byron's questions. Um, I just didn't, I didn't dig that because like she's going to be in our, you're going to have bad vibes. Intimate space. Helping me with the birth. Granted, he asks silly questions sometimes, but I'm the one who has to put him in his place, (laughs) not you. Um, And so the one I I went with, I just really like her style and, and I was very, you know, open and honest of like, these are the things that I felt could have been better about mm-hmm. my first birth. This is what happened. And she would interject and be like, oh, I think this is what happened. And I really like hearing because, you know, my brain works very <laughs> medical. Um, yes. I like hearing this is what's actually happening in your body right now. And she seemed the most um, apt to do that. And she's kind of a no frills, no BS style. And I also really like that. Mm-hmm. Love so, it. Yeah. Um, so that's been a big, um, distinct difference and, and every appointment is a full hour and sometimes it really is just like, okay, well, we're going to review your blood sugar, you know, record. I don't expect to have any findings here. You know, let's just chat and, and kind of get to know these people who are going to be in your intimate space. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's my midwife, Monica and her assistant, Anya. Um, and I feel like we just kind of have like girlfriend talk, which is really good because they're going to see me naked pretty soon. Yep. (laughs) All the things. (laughs) Yep. And let's talk about the uh, other, I guess, physiological impact with the gallbladder, excuse me, this time around. Are you attributing that to positioning? And let's explain kind of what's been going on there. And that's what really created your first acupuncture appointment or consistency of acupuncture yeah I think consistency of acupuncture because I had one for the morning sickness prior and I don't know if I was trying to research this but of course there's nothing out there if women who have more severe morning sickness that that's an indication that there might be sure gallbladder stuff going on that kind of makes sense in in my brain that maybe there's a little bit more like stagnation sluggishness um, and we know there is of the entire digestive system when we're pregnant, right? That things just kind of slow down, stagnate. Yeah. Um, but we thought that at first I, I thought that I pulled a muscle like in my shoulder lifting Noah or um, doing some of the, the birth fit workouts that I've been doing um, because I was having this just pain like behind my right shoulder blade. Um, and going to the chiropractor kind of week after week, I even scheduled a couple like emergency appointments where I was like that shoulder, that rib is out or that, you know, shoulder blade is still out. And it took like a week and a half to two weeks to be like, oh, this happens right after I eat, particularly dinner, which is usually my largest meal of the day. Um, and it's radiating. It's not just a stagnant pain. And so it, it just kind of felt like pressure and pain in that area and then kind of wrapping around spreading to that front kind of under the rib cage um and it was probably around 20 weeks that I figured out that it was oh something's happening with with um my gallbladder and I do think um likely it was due to positioning of baby she favored my right side um so did Noah for whatever reason um and since she's moved kind of more from transverse which is kind of horizontal to more vertical um and head down supposedly which is exciting already um but that's kind of a a thing of the past um but it was it was pretty severe to the point where I was like am I going to have to go and get an ultrasound at least to see like if there's a severe blockage or a stone or something like what should I do um and and was you know just got to the point where I could eat again and then kind of having to like back off some of my heavier proteins and the more, you know, dense fats in that time to just kind of figure out what worked. Um, and so I did a lot of digested, um, just kind of ramped that up to two per meal during this timestamp. Um, I also, um, took our detox packs, which I think that's a distinct difference. I don't think I used them Mm -hmm. at all with Noah. Um, but I used our detox packs and, and I was particularly looking for the support of the liver gallbladder, um, support that's in there. So some days I would just rip one open, give Byron the rest the other, of the pack. The sulfur, yeah, yeah. the ultimate detox And, and not that mm-hmm. I'm scared of it. It's just like, do I need this many more right. pills? Um, but the liver gallbladder um, compound has things like milk thistle in it to really stimulate and drive that bile flow and ox bile. Um, artichoke, artichoke, beet, yep. 
yep, mm-hmm. all like the bitters and and that good stuff. Um, and so I ended up doing, you know, two of those probably twice to three times daily um, during acute pain. Um, I found one other formula that I can link from Dr. Berg that was a gallbladder um, formula. And I really just added that in during like two weeks of acute pain and have it on hand just in case. Um, And then I was also doing some apple cider vinegar um, shooters, um, you know, daily at that point, just to try to like move bile and and clear things. Uh, But I think the acupuncture and just like stretching movement and baby deciding to move uh, really helped to turn it around. Totally. And it could have also been exacerbated if, because you had all of that probably electrolyte instability after the infections and then that dehydrates you and your whole limp, all the things anyway. Yep. Uh, Let's talk uh, the last two things that you're doing differently this time. So both for preparing for the home birth and just keeping your body ready for the marathon that is birthing. We'll of course link Lindsay's episode, uh, which was a couple months back, but a beautiful podcast all about, you know, being fit during birth and why that's important. Um, let's talk about the strength training you're doing and then some of the uh, the app that you're using for yes. hypnobirthing. Yep. Um, so um, birth fit was something I knew first trimester I wanted to do it this time. Um, and that's been something on my mind. I was like, I didn't physically prepare as much for Noah's birth because I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, and I had like a moment where I was like, my legs feel so weak. I should have done more squats, like literally during labor, having that thought process, like that's no good there. Um, but you know, Ina Mae Gaskin, who's like the old school home birth midwife, um, says you should be doing 300 squats a day. And that to me seems like a lot, like I can manage like 50. Um, but you know, getting into those, those positions and postures that likely you are going to utilize during birth. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to be more kind of physically and structurally sound, I guess, this time going into things. Um, and so I started BirthFit. Um, they have various programs, but they're um, prenatal. Um, I, there's a prenatal kind of 101, and I'll link the exact titles of the program, but um, there's an intro kind of prenatal five or six weeks, and then there's prenatal training that takes you all the way through from 12 weeks on. Um, so intended to be started like when you find out that you're pregnant, um, all the way through, you know, the day that you deliver. Um, and it is, it's, you know, CrossFit-y. I wouldn't call it CrossFit, but it, it you're using kettlebells and like, um, you know, doing a lot of it's strength training. Yeah, it's some strength training. Strength training. Yep. Um, and, and so I just kind of adjust and modify weights. And I've been fortunate to find someone um, who trains in person and have been working with her once a week um, with a small group of, of other women, which is really nice because I, there was Ooh, nothing like that. when did you start that? that? Uh, in, while you were on sabbatical, yeah. um, I was sneaking off to the gym in between clients. Yeah. Um, so yeah, June. Um, so going on like four or five weeks cool. with her. She's out of town and resuming again in August, but I'm doing um, some app-based workouts to kind of keep it up in between. And it's just nice to like have someone come and like, correct your form and feel like, you know, you're working like diaphragm breath and, and are you actually doing it and versus like kind of skirting through things while Noah's climbing on my back at home. Yeah. The community Um, too. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yes. Yes. Cause there was none of that happening. I mean, we did dance and yoga through my pregnancy with Noah from the time we moved to Austin, but otherwise there were no prenatal classes of any kind. I still can't find a prenatal yoga class that... I'm on board with. So this has been really good. And I feel really like strong in my body at this, at this time. Awesome. Um, And then the other app um, that was suggested to me by my midwife is um, a hypnobirthing app. And it's specifically the Christian hypnobirthing app. So it incorporates aspects of hypnobirthing, mantra, um, and, you know, um, just kind of envisioning your perfect birth, la la la, that kind of woo woo stuff, um, with actual scripture. So I like that element that it's not too like out there Mm -hmm. woo woo. And, and, um, they're basically just tracks that you can play and kind of go through, you know, in the, the prenatal time stamp, and then also could play during birth if desired. Um, so I've been doing that. It's been a good way to like at the end of the day, focus, have like 15 minutes to connect with baby because I find I'm just so go, go, go during the day between work and Noah and all the things that like 
I don't slow down and, and always remember that I'm pregnant until like my belly gets in the way of something. If yep. that makes sense. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh man. Okay. Let's move on to placental encapsulation. So sure. I believe you talked a little bit about that on the birth episode or the postpartum episode. Yep. So we'll link both of those. Of course, we'll, we'll link all of the pregnancy episodes in the show notes. So y'all can hear about my first, second and third trimester and then Becky's first, second and third and then her home birth and uh, not home birth, her natural birth. And then I think we did another postpartum one as well. Um, but let's talk did. about did like a breastfeeding and postpartum hybrid, maybe. Yes. I don't know. It's all a blur. Yes. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about placental encapsulation. Yes. Um, so this is something I did with um, Noah and I found it to be favorable. Um, so basically my doula just took the placenta from the birthing center. She had a cooler. I remember that being part of your story that you were freaked out um, because yes. the midwife or, or whoever was picking up didn't have like the proper food safety protocol well, in place because it becomes a food at that point. Well, I had an emergency C-section right. and so right. I was worried about the sterility and yes. what they did in the surgical suite because the surgeons are the ones that like, you know, or, or I mean their staff obviously held the placenta. Right. And so I was like, well, what did they do? Did they right. rinse it with anything? And then where I knew that they stored it safely but there was a girl that I hired from recommendation from my midwife that did placental processing and encapsulation and she just like showed up for it. And I was like, um, like, do you have like a cooler with ice packs or, and the hospital didn't have any of that to go that they were willing to give us. So she, I let her go forward. I took the little like braided umbilical cord Mm -hmm. part that's like dehydrated and sitting somewhere thank god I don't have a living dog because I'm pretty sure that would be (laughs) gone yeah Yeah, it looks like rawhide (laughs) and then I had the capsules forever and I said to myself if I ever felt emotionally like unstable or like I needed it I would take the risk of taking it but if I felt sound I wasn't going to because I thought cost to benefit could have been more of a risk factor for actual like infection yes. and sepsis yep. and also um, just the epinephrine adrenaline response right. um, that was going on in my body during a medical procedure versus a natural birth I also thought would 100%. probably yep. chemically and, yep. and energetically not be optimal right because it's an organ we talk about that when we're eating organs of, of animals like selecting a cow that wasn't under stress at the time of, of slaughter yeah. so same concept I think applies um, and and so I'm planning to um, have it encapsulated again. Um, my, uh, midwife's assistant is also a doula training to be a midwife. Um, and she does a traditional Chinese method of, of steaming the placenta with herbs. I don't know exactly what herbs are used, um, in the process. And then she makes it into both capsules and a tincture. Um, I found, you know, using it, I, I took it, you know, from when she brought it, my doula brought it to me like five days, you know, after birth. Um, and I had a pretty high volume, like right on the higher end of normal blood loss, not a hemorrhage, but they did have to administer, um, Pitocin, um, for bleeding. And so, you know, I figured I was probably anemic, definitely felt really, um, emotionally unstable, like for the first two weeks or so post birth. And there's a lot going on hormonally. Um, so I took it and, you know, I had a really pretty breezy postpartum, um, ish emotionally. I felt resilient at least, um, to some of the stuff that came up, you know, later in, in postpartum. Um, we can see at least anecdotal evidence. Um, there's not a lot of scholarly articles out there, but, but possible benefits. And I'll link you guys, um, a scholarly article, but improved hormone balance, increased milk production, um, decrease of postpartum depression, improved energy, decreased bleeding and faster recovery. Um, and so for all those reasons, I think it's a great tool. And if for some reason, intuitively, I feel like I don't want to take it or, um, that something feels off, you can always discontinue like any supplement. Um, and then the risks, like you mentioned, you know, um, if there are potential pathogen exposures or if, you know, the placenta is not treated properly like a food Mm -hmm. on ice, um, you know, fully cooked or or steamed. Um, I probably wouldn't do like raw placenta smoothies personally that I I also wouldn't really do 
raw liver smoothies just because that sounds not just texture not delicious to me. Good to me right no doubt, no doubt. Um, and then if there is accumulation of, of antibiotics or you know anesthetics used during birth that could be concerning as well right so there's both the hormetics of probably you know going to more industrialized medical birth and saving your placenta as well as the actual medication intervention right. so definitely things to think about in that sense yes Awesome. Okay, let's go on to a question from Emma. Age difference between kids and how did you prep the second time around? Well, Noah turns two on September 11th um, and baby girl is due on September 23rd. So uh, it'll be about two years, exactly. <laughs> like Hopefully not to the day. Um, hopefully she doesn't decide to show up like at his birthday party, right? <laughs> um, so our, our plan was to wait like a full two years before... We knew we wanted another baby, but a full two years until Noah had turned two to like loosely start trying and God had other plans for us. Um, so there wasn't a lot of preparation necessarily. Um, I did wean breastfeeding around 13 months, which was October. And then I got pregnant again, like end of December. Um, so I had a couple months there of having my body back sort of, uh, by ownership. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, I was, I was focused on, um, probably a loose, like 1.5 ketosis really focused on, you know, nutrient density and supplementation. Um, I did do my micronutrient, as I mentioned, and my neurohormone around that 13 month, um, stamp or maybe 12 months. Cause I think I was still breastfeeding like once a day. And we had noted that some of my deficiencies would have looked better if, <laughs> I wasn't breastfeeding, but uh, really focused on repleting those deficiencies, especially calcium and choline. And so that's generally what I recommend to my clients is two years, if you can wait that long. Right. Um, definitely don't start trying while you're actively breastfeeding another human because it's just so much on your body. Um, and do that micronutrient and that neurohormone panel just to like reset yourself before you start trying for baby. Yes. Okay. Uh, can you intermittent fast safely during pregnancy? Um, I probably do like a 14 hour modified fast at this time. Um, so I think it's, it's really personal and, and, you know, even my midwife said, if you were doing it before, you can continue doing it if it feels good. And I liked that answer because mm-hmm. uh, that's what I would say to my clients. I wouldn't start it as a brand new practice and I wouldn't force it especially in first trimester with the nausea, you know, limited food acceptance where I felt like I wasn't getting enough nutrients. Um, and it just felt better to have like something in my belly earlier in the day. Um, but right now it's probably like 14 hours and I'll do, um, coffee with, with fat added or bone broth or just green tea kind of during that window. Okay. And then, uh, so right, you're not really looking to upregulate autophagy is the answer during pregnancy. Nope. Uh, You might consider, I would say, a little bit more fasting when ill. Yeah. You know, and that's, again, that intuitive element of if you have even a moderate fever, you know, let let that run its course, mellow out, nourish, rest, uh, and allow your immune system to do the work. But otherwise, yeah, listening to your body and focusing on your food as medicine goals to nourish your super baby would be the bigger priority. Yes than the quote unquote health benefits of fasting. Yep. But since life, mothers have been busy and since life <laughs> we've hunted and gathered. And so right. the fasting itself shouldn't be a stressor to the right. body. Right. Um, and that kind of piggybacks on a question that I was asked on the medical panel at KetoCon about, uh, it was a, a woman who was six months pregnant. And she was asking our, our opinion if keto is safe during pregnancy and breastfeeding and um, if it would be okay to transition to this type of lifestyle while pregnant. Um, So we will link episode 134 of the Naturally Nourished podcast, an entire episode on keto and pregnancy. And in there, as well as when I answered on stage, the big point I was making was about how insulin levels change during trimester. So our first trimester is going to be the most insulinogenic or producing highest amount of insulin because it's an anabolic hormone, which is trying to grow baby, right? So, so much cellular division occurring in that first trimester. And during that time often is also where we will have maybe more morning sickness or uh, taste aversions or food aversions. And so this is a time that I always, especially those that are hardcore keto going in and they get pregnant, 
they want to maintain their macros right. and they're like, I just need that sweet potato or I just need that apple. And I always say, you know, that first trimester to give yourself an extra upwards of 60 grams mm-hmm. of carbs than what your baseline is could be totally appropriate. Um, and that may really, in, in fact, support optimal outcomes. And then really as we get into that second and third trimester, especially in that third trimester, uh, we really want to watch out about um, that insulin response driving macrosomia or too large of baby when we think of gestational diabetes. That's one of the big risk hazards associated. Uh, so that's when we really look for more carb control. Um, and that's where I would say, you know, anyone, if they went from standard American diet, anyone should never be eating, in my medical opinion, as a woman. A woman should not be eating over 120 to 150 grams of carbs no matter what, unless they're right. super, super high endurance athletes. And that's another story, not most of our listening audience. Um, so most individuals should be somewhere between even better would be more of like a 45 to 75 gram mm-hmm. of carb window on a typical day. Um, and so maybe during that first trimester, trying to establish that that level, and then you might even be bringing it down. Um, but babies in utero are using ketones as a fuel source. Breastfed babies thrive on ketones. Ketones are um, going to be produced from the fuel from breast milk. Um, so definitely nothing new to the human body. Yep. It's not this foreign substrate. I wouldn't recommend using BHB products as right. far as exogenous ketones. But other than that, I would have no risk or concern. And I'm sure when you've done your analysis, um, maybe sometimes they, they look at ketones yeah, on the strips. there's and, always trace yep, ketones. That's how and, I had it too. And, and not, my midwife always it. was like, yep, that's because you eat low carb and right. your insulin level's great and your blood sugar looks great. Yep. Uh, let's piggyback that and talk about blood sugar and the use of a CGM this time around yes. versus last time around yep. you used a glucometer. I so did. first off, do you have to take an oral glucose tolerance test? And if not, what are some options and what are you doing this time? So I personally wasn't required to do anything this time. <laughs> My midwife was like, what did you do last time? Did you have any numbers that are out there? I know you're a dietitian. Are you concerned about gestational diabetes? What is a typical day for you? Okay. I will just check this box. Like we don't need to do anything. Um, I wanted the data because I'm a nerd. Um, so I was like, well, let me wear a CGM this time around. Um, Cause the glucometer, you know, I was doing four finger pricks. So um, one at fasting and then after each of your three meals, two hours postprandial um, and having to report that. I think I did seven full days the first time around. And that's a lot of finger pricks, especially if you're chasing a toddler around and like your eating times are a little bit off and you just don't always like remember to set an alarm for exactly two hours after. So I found that having a CGM um, would just, you know, take that part of the equation out. And we've talked on prior episodes too about how the CGM captures way more data than just that two hours postprandial, like what goes on. In between that, do you get a spike at the one hour mark or even the 30 minute mark from the food choices consumed? What happens during sleep? What happens during episodes of stress? Um, And it had been a while since I wore one while breastfeeding Noah. Um, I'm trying to think. I know it was summertime stamp uh, probably a year ago, right? Um, So um, I wore one during the summer last year and um, while breastfeeding at you know, six to nine months or so. I don't know how old he was, but you know, whatever. Right around there. Whatever that was. Niner. Um, and uh, just thought, why not do it again just to see if anything changed? I was, you know, definitely more carb heavy first trimester. Let's make sure things are still in check because I never got a chance to have a hemoglobin A1C run or any of the other labs I probably would have done yeah. uh, before getting pregnant. Um, and so you know, it's been pretty uneventful, I would say, like overall in terms of uh, blood sugar. I find that I have, you know, pretty good metabolic flexibility. I could probably get away with more carbs than I'm currently um, doing. Um, and really the only spikes on there were one that was stress-related, trying to like control Noah at the movie theater when he was screaming, um, and one that was heat-related when we were sitting outside waiting for the Wimberley Rodeo to start. <laughs> 
And you talked about CBD uh, for stress. Mm -hmm. And I know we talked about that uh, in, I believe it was the second trimester episode of yours, which also happens to be the episode we talked a lot more about the oral glucose tolerance test. So we'll link link that that for sure. And we talk about, you know, the yuck toxic ingredients in there and how, again, if your body's not used to having refined carbs, when you have lighter fluid of, of glucose, that that's going to create a high blood sugar spike in most individuals, especially if your body's not inept or, or basically used to that exposure. It's inept. Sure. It has the cap- capacity and capability, but it's a foreign like wah, shock response. Right. Um, so that's why we really don't recommend that for individuals that are low carb because it's just a shock to their system and is not going to represent what their body's exposed to on a, a daily basis. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to touch a little bit. I think this is a big question for a lot of people as well on how to support stress and um, how to... Uh, cope with anxiety. Um, and so I think that, that was the episode you talked about the dog chase and things. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's just talk through, because this continues to be a question, safety and considerations of GABACOM um, and uh, CBD and why we feel that they can be incorporated as strategies and what other maybe nutrients or supplements to focus on. Totally. So actually, I didn't mention when we talked supplements, I do take GABACOM on a regular basis and have been this whole time. Uh, so I used it more in relation to like my midwife appointments last time or pandemic stressors, or if the news that night got me more rattled. Um, and this time it's definitely more like managing a toddler at target kind of thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, he just so happens to be in that very autonomous mode while I'm also pregnant. And so, um, you know, Noah knows how to say no, that's for sure. Um, and, and so giving one to him and taking one myself, um, on a pretty regular basis these days. Um, and, and that's something I feel really comfortable with, um, during pregnancy is, is our GABACOM, which is just bioidentical GABA. It's a, a compound your body produces mm-hmm. anyway. Um, and who knows, it might be making my baby more chill because <laughs> Noah turned out really chill. So mm-hmm. um, that's something I, I haven't really been able to find any, um, you know, reports of, of adverse reactions other than if you're already running low blood pressure, maybe, you know, GABA could decrease your blood pressure further. Right. But that's just something for you to monitor and, and watch symptoms and be aware of. Um, but I don't know of any other contraindications to, you know, again, a substance that my body makes anyway. Right. And uh, that's why technically on our website, we don't have the icon for mm-hmm. pregnancy, but when people are asking us that our patients or in our groups um, or participants of various programs, that's always one that we say, oh yeah, yep. you know, your body's biochemically making it. It's, it's not a synthetic substrate, uh, no risk. And, and that's kind of the same alignment that I go with CBD, yeah, me too. that cannabidiol, again, the body makes it. CBD is naturally going to be produced in breast milk. Um, so again, you keeping your cortisol and adrenaline levels optimized is going to have a much more favorable impact than not using these tools and letting them go haywire because we know the impact of stress on baby can be seen even for generations, we're understanding. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really something I think as mama bears to, to harness that and, and working in other you know constructs of the anti-anxiety diet and 478 breath and prayer and gratitude, but uh, Gabba Calm can definitely be a good tool along with Relax and Regulate, which yes. is yep. already Becky's Desert Island yes. supplement. But if you're a stressed mom <laughs> yep. that's dealing with pregnancy and you're not taking Relax and Regulate, that would be the number one yep. hit because that magnesium bisglycinate mellows out that neuromuscular tension. It also crosses the blood-brain barrier and tells the pituitary in the brain to stop stimulating the adrenals. So that can help um, really with regulating that whole reactive stress pathway. And then the inositol in there, so favorable for insulin sensitivity. So a great thing to bring in um, to help with healthy glucose levels during pregnancy, as well as aiding in offsetting insomnia and anxiety. Yep. And unfortunately, Calm and Clear is the only one that um, is contraindicated. The ashwagandha in there can cause preterm labor. And so that's one I wouldn't do that's in kind of that stress suite. Everything else from our line, pretty much. Right. Um, I don't take that and I don't take like high dose turmeric on a regular basis. And that's kind of right what I avoid. Um, but I was going to say L-theanine itself um, would be fine to take, you know, if you needed an added um, bonus on top of the, the supplements that we mentioned. No doubt. 
Okay, uh, let's take one last question and then we can incorporate some of these others in an upcoming Q&A. Uh, let's do help for C-section recovery. Oh, I think maybe you should do this one. Okay. Well, and, and a lot of it's going to overlap, yeah. I'll say, for just postpartum. Very much so. Um, and, and actually, I'll mention, um, and I'll link in the show notes, I made a postpartum checklist for a girlfriend of mine um, who's having a baby soon where I literally linked our products. I was like, this is how much of them to Love take. Um, and all the other stuff that's not part of our line that's like, you need to have puppy pads because you're going to be bleeding and like yes. here's the organic maxi pads that I use to make um, padsicles and whatnot so I'll link that in today's show notes just as a resource for let's do that you That's guys great. as well and now I have it created for my own brain too to make sure that I yeah got all the things awesome I love it that'll be a great resource <laughs> yeah. for sure uh, yeah so the first thing is looking at tissue recovery and so going into your birth process in that third trimester, like Becky mentioned, this is a great time to focus on the BioC Plus to aid in that collagen synthesis. This is also a great time to consume collagen and gelatin. So making like jello from pasture-raised gelatin, using collagen in your tea or coffee, and then the use of bone broth, those can all be done proactively and then especially right postpartum whether it was vaginal or cesarean section we still want tissue recovery different yeah. types of tears versus you know uh, there's definitely a more severe cut um, as a surgery in a c-section for recovery there but there's definitely vaginal tears that we want to recover as well um, and we know often We'll see even in the world of hemorrhoids with um, labor and such. And so we're looking at getting connective tissue back on track. Um, and those three players are really highlights there. And then we look at supporting the tissue recovery and the inflammatory process. And that would be working with inflammazyme. And this is a postpartum best friend to all yes. mamas, again, regardless of C-section or vaginal birth. Uh, really starting with like eight, six to eight a day oh, yeah. for the first minimum, like two weeks recovery, if not all six weeks. Um, and you may go upwards of 10 to 12 would be reasonable. Um, just watch though, I would say at that level with baby, with re if you're dealing with, you think reflux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think six to eight, because there are some botanicals in there and just, you know, getting things going and not creating too much gas and such with babe would be a good start. My and then was like a little bit orange because I was taking so much inflammatory. And super turmeric, right? And then I was going to say super turmeric <laughs> yeah. you could layer on. Um, I would stay really high on the EPA DHA extra. Mm -hmm. So that is one that going into C-section, I would bring down a little bit because both turmeric, well, turmeric, we probably weren't doing heavy because of the, the um, early uh, labor. But um, that is one that you can take during natural birth process as well mm -hmm. as uh, postpartum. And then the thing to consider, though, is that super turmeric and EPA DHA extra are blood thinners. Right. Um, and so being mindful that definitely if you're going into any surgical element and that there is bleeding, you probably want to keep the blood thinners moderate um, at best and then pop those right back up postpartum. Um, and those are really the, the big things, um, Probiotics that I would say too for, for most definitely. Yeah. So for the C-section, we'd want to make sure that we're getting the rebuild spectrum because you would be on IV antibiotics, um, as well as the targeted strength probiotic and the GI cleanup. Um, and so the whole kind of suite of the bacterial rebuild plus adding on targeted, and then you can transition off that bottle of targeted to the restore baseline that's in that suite. That'd be a really good approach to offset the antibiotic hit. Um, and those are pretty much the big things. And then obviously all the postpartum recommendations of get your protein in, um, stay hydrated, all that jazz. Yes. Awesome. All right. I think we did it. Yes. So this was fun. Lots of stuff uh, to cover. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. As always, check out our uh, show notes for links and products that we've discussed. Most things can also be found at AllieMillerRD.com, which is also where we have our protocols. And um, go on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you're listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. And be sure to give us a five-star review with a sentence or two on what you're loving. And thank you always so much for being listeners. And we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.